Appendix Part 10 of Angels of the Battlefield. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Angels of the Battlefield by George Barton. Appendix Part 10 Sisters of Charity. In Mr. Sothey's Sir Thomas More, the following account of the Beguines of Belgium and the Sisters of Charity of France is reprinted from the London Medical Gazette, Volume 1. A few summers ago I passed through Flanders on my way to Germany, and at the hospital at Bruges saw some of the Beguines, and heard the physician, with whom I was intimate, speak in strong terms of their services. He said, There are no such nurses. I saw them in the wards attending on the sick, and in the chapel of the hospital on their knees washing the floor. They were obviously a superior class of women, and the contrast was striking between these menial offices and the respectability of their dress and appearance. But the beginnage of Ghent is one of their principal establishments, and spending a Sunday there, I went in the evening to Vespers. It was twilight when I entered the chapel. It was dimly lighted by two or three tall tapers before the altar, and a few candles at the remotest end of the building, in the orchestra. But the body of the chapel was in deep gloom, filled from end to end with several hundreds of these nuns, seated in rows, in their dark dresses and white cowls, silent and motionless, excepting now and then one of them started up, and stretching out her arms in the attitude of the crucifixion, stood in that posture many minutes, then sank and disappeared among the crowd. The gloom of the chapel, the long line of these unearthly-looking figures, like so many corpses propped up in their grave clothes, the dead silence of the building, once only interrupted by a few voices in the distant orchestra chanting whispers, was one of the most striking sights I ever beheld. To some readers, the occasional attitude of the nuns may seem an absurd expression of fanaticism, but they are anything but fanatics. Whoever is accustomed to the manners of continental nations knows that they employ a grimace in everything. I much doubt whether, apart from the internal emotion of piety, the external expression of it is graceful in any one save only a little child in his nightshirt, on his knees, saying his evening prayer. The Beginage, or residence of the Begins at Ghent, is a little town of itself, adjoining the city and enclosed from it. The transition from the crowded streets of Ghent to the silence and solitude of the Beginage is very striking. The houses in which the Begins reside are contiguous, each having its small garden, and on the door the name, not of the resident, but of the protecting saint of the house. These houses are ranged into streets. There is also the large church, which we visited, and a burial ground, in which there are no monuments. There are upwards of six hundred of these nuns in the beginnage of Ghent, and about six thousand in Brabant and Flanders. They receive sick persons into the beginnage, and not only nurse, but support them until they are recovered. They also go out to nurse the sick. They are bound by no woe excepting to be chaste and obedient, while they remain in the order. They have the power of quitting it, 
and returning again into the world whenever they please, but this, it is said, they seldom or never do. They are most of them women, unmarried or widows past the middle of life. In 1244, a synod at Fritzlau decided that no begin should be younger than forty years of age. They generally dine together in the refectory. Their apartments are barely, yet comfortably furnished, and like all the habitations of Flanders, remarkably clean. About their origin and name little is known by the begins themselves, or is to be found in books. For the following particulars I am chiefly indebted to the History des Ordres Monasticus, tome the eight. Some attributed both their origin and name to St. Begge, who lived in the seventh century, others to Lambert Le Beg, who lived about the end of the twelfth century. This latter saint is said to have founded two communities of them at Liege, one for women in 1173, the other for men in 1177. After his death they multiplied fast, and were introduced by St. Louis into Paris and other French cities. The plan flourished in France, and was adopted under other forms and names. In 1443, Nicholas Rollin, Chancellor to Philip the Good, Duke of Burgundy, founded a hospital at Bjorn, and brought six Beguines from Malins to attend upon it, and the hospital became so famed for the care of its patients that the opulent people of the neighborhood, when sick, were often removed to it, preferring its attendance to what they received at home. In one part of the hospital there was a large square court, bordered with galleries, leading to apartments suitable to such patients. When they quitted the hospital, the donations which they left were added to its funds. The Soeurs de la Charité of France are another order of religious nurses, but different from the Beguines in being bound by monastic vows. They originated in a charity sermon, perhaps the most useful and extensive in its influence that ever was preached. Vincent de Paul, a celebrated missionary, preaching at Chatillon in 1617, recommended a poor sick family of the neighborhood to the care of his congregation. At the conclusion of the sermon, a number of persons visited the sick family with bread, wine, meat, and other comforts. This led to the formation of a committee of charitable women under the direction of Vincent de Paul, who went about relieving the sick poor of the neighborhood, and met every month to give an account of their proceedings to their superior. Such was the origin of the celebrated order of the Sœurs de la Carité. Wherever this missionary went, he attempted to form similar establishments. From the country they spread to cities, at first to Paris, where, in 1629, they were established in the parish of St. Sabius. And in 1625, a female devotee named Le Grasse joined the order of the Sœurs de la Carité. She was married young to M. Le Grasse, one of whose family had founded a hospital at P, but becoming a widow in 1625, in the thirty-fourth year of her age, she made a vow of celibacy and dedicated the rest of her life to the service of the poor. In her, Vincent de Paul found a great accession. Under his direction she took many journeys, visiting and inspecting the establishments which he had founded. She was commonly accompanied by a few pious ladies. 
many women of quality enrolled themselves in the order, but the superiors were assisted by inferior servants. The Hotel Dieu was the first hospital in Paris, where they exercised their vocation. This they visited every day, supplying the patients with comforts above what the hospital afforded, and administering, besides, religious consolation. By degrees they spread into all the provinces of France, and at length the Queen of Poland requested Mademoiselle Le Grasse, for though a widow that was her title, to send her a supply of Sœurs de la Carité, who were thus established in Varsovia in 1652. At length, after a long life spent in the service of charity and religion, Mademoiselle Le Grasse died on the 15th of March, 1660, nearly seventy years of age, and for a day and a half her body lay exposed to the gaze of the pious. A country clergyman, who spent several years in various parts of France, gives an account of the present state of the order, which, together with what I have gathered from other sources, is in substance as follows. It consists of women of all ranks, many of them of the higher orders. After a year's novitiate in the convent, they take a vow which binds them to the order for the rest of their lives. They have two objects, to attend the sick and to educate the poor. They are spread all over France, and the superior nurses at the hospitals, and are to be found in every town, and often even in villages. Go into the Paris hospitals at almost any hour of the day, and you will see one of these respectable-looking women, in her black gown and white hood, passing slowly from bed to bed, and stopping to inquire of some poor wretch what little comfort he is fancying will alleviate his sufferings. If a parochial cure wants assistance in the care of his flock, he applies to the order of the source de la Carité. Two of them, for they generally go in couples, set out on their charitable mission. Wherever they travel, their dress protects them. Even more enlightened persons than the common peasantry hail it as a happy omen, when on a journey with a sœur de la Carité happens to travel with them, and even instances are recorded in which their presence has saved travellers from the attacks of robbers. During the revolution they were rarely molested. They were the only religious order permitted openly to wear their dress and pursue their vocation. Government gives a hundred francs a year to each sister, besides her travelling expenses, and if the parish where they go cannot maintain them, they are supported out of the funds of the order. In old age, they retire to their convents and spend the rest of their lives in educating the novitiates. Thus, like the Vestal Virgins of old, the first part of their life is spent learning their duties, the second in practicing them, and the last in teaching them. End of Appendix Part 10